0: Now we turn to the Mountain Eagle to read news from Whitesburg. Your reader today is Bill Van Arsdale. We will begin with the edition dated February 14th, 2024, which the publishers have donated to Radio I. As a reminder, Radio I is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. The first headline is city. Cameras slow crime. Smile. If you're in downtown Whitesburg, you're probably on camera. The city of Whitesburg has installed closed-circuit video cameras in locations around town in an attempt to curb crime. Cameras, including one license plate reader, have been installed on Main Street and in the city parking lot on Broadway behind the Harry M. Caudill Memorial Library and will eventually be going up along East Main in the city parks and along the Tanglewood Trail. There may be other locations, as money allows. The purpose of them was to make Main Street safer. We can obviously monitor everything that goes on in town, Whitesburg Police Chief Tyrone Fields said. They came in handy being able to use them for a couple of hit-and-runs in town. Mike Jackson, the City's Director of Human Resources and a Special Projects Manager, is in charge of placing the cameras, which he said are in two locations now, but four more are going up on Main Street. We started right there by the banks, and we have four right there at the walking bridge, and they're set up to give us a full 360-degree view of that parking lot, Jackson said. He said cameras are strictly for law enforcement and anyone else who wants footage would have to subpoena the city for it. The city is using alcohol beverage control tax money to pay for the cameras. State law requires such a tax to be used for law enforcement. We've needed them for a long time. Most cities have had cameras for much longer than what we've got, he said. Police officers have an application on their cell phones that allows them to check the cameras anytime. And there is a big screen monitor in the police department that can be monitored when officers are not on the street. One camera on Main Street is a license plate reader. What it does is, when a car goes by on Main Street, it zooms in on the license plate, senses it, and converts it to a text file, Jackson said. Police can then search the database for that same car. Similar camera systems have drawn criticisms in other cities because of privacy concerns. But Jackson said that's why the city will not be releasing footage from the cameras. That's kind of why we're just putting them on Main Street right now, and they're not aimed at any residences. They're for sidewalks, streets, and city property, Jackson said. The Kentucky Supreme Court ruled in 2018 that license plate readers are not an invasion of privacy. A bill to regulate the use of such cameras failed at the end of last year's General Assembly. And a bill introduced this year has languished in the House Committee on Committees, which assigns legislation to committees having jurisdiction over the issues addressed in bills. The Next story is, Sheriff, wet dry vote should be on the election ballot. If Ledger County Sheriff Mickey Steins gets his wish, Alcohol tax will be flowing into the county coffers, paying for round-the-clock police protection for the county, new police cars, and other equipment the department needs to function. Steins, who says he will resign in three years at the end of his term, said he will lead an effort to gather signatures on a petition for a countywide local option election in Letcher County. If a vote is held, it will be the 1st countywide wet wet-dry election in 78 years. I'm for it, but I'm more for putting it on the ballot and letting the citizens vote on whether they're for it, Stein said. Letcher County was voted dry in 1943 by a margin of just 32 votes, but irregularities in the voting led to a prolonged legal battle in which the Kentucky Court of Appeals ruled the election invalid. A second vote was taken on June 15, 1946, and wet forces prevailed. While there have been several petitions circulated in the past, they have all either disappeared before being submitted or have fallen short of the legal requirements. Several localized votes have been held, and alcohol sales have already been legalized in Whitesburg and Jenkins as a result. Fleming Neon voters will cast their ballots on the issue in May. The first area to go moist was the SECO voting precinct, which approved winery sales more than 20 years ago. The first legal bottle of wine sold in Letcher County in more than 50 years left the Highland Winery on October 1, 2001. Stein said he's for making the county wet, not because he wants alcohol circulating, but because the county and the sheriff's department need the money to survive and there are very few cases of driving under the influence of alcohol now. Most DUIs, he said, involve drugs. The city of Whitesburg has prospered from the tax on legal alcohol sales, and Stein said the county should do the same. They have eight police officers, they pay great, they've got good benefits, they've got new equipment, a new side-by-side, Stein said stressing that he works well with Whitesburg police and doesn't begrudge them the money. But, he said, he can't provide 24-hour police protection in the rural areas because there's simply not enough money. Steins said his administration won't benefit from a wet vote for more than a year or a year and a half if it passes, but it will provide tax money for future sheriffs. Kentucky law requires tax money from alcohol sales to be used for law enforcement. Steins floated the idea on his office's Facebook page last week, to a mostly positive response. He said he met with County Clerk Winston Mead and his staff this week to determine when a petition must be filed and how many voters would have to sign it. Under a recent state law, petitions must be pre-filed before being signed to prevent them from disappearing before they're completed. State law requires signatures of registered voters numbering 25% of the people who voted in the last general election before the issue can be placed on the ballot, which means about 1,100 registered voters would have to sign the petition for a countywide vote here. Steins said he has wanted to get a petition for years, but he said he wasn't sure how it would work while he was planning to run again. After six years, he said he feels he's proved himself to the county anybody that knows me on a personal or professional basis knows I'm against crime, he said. Stein said he believes alcohol sales have helped Whitesburg, and if something isn't done to help the county, it will cease to exist in a few years. If people, especially people in important positions, don't see the dire straits this county is in, they're blind, he said. Stein's department currently survives on the commission it earns from tax collection and gets no money from the county except the opioid settlement money recently approved for him to buy two new cruisers. The office can't dispatch after the office closes at 4:30 p.m. and can't provide round-the-clock law enforcement. He said the alcohol tax would be fair for everyone. If you don't go into the BP or any store and buy alcohol, you don't pay the tax, he said. The next headline is, Jury Charges Ex-Teacher in Case Involving Girl. A Letcher County Grand Jury has charged a former middle school teacher with third-degree rape of a girl under 16 years of age, having sexually explicit images of her, and attempting to destroy those images when police began investigating. Brian Wesley West Bailey, 54, of Benham in Harlem County, was a teacher at Whitesburg Middle School and a bus driver for the Letcher County Public Schools when the crimes allegedly occurred from October to November of last year. Bailey was indicted Thursday on charges of third-degree rape, tampering with physical evidence, and two counts of criminal possession of matter portraying a sexual performance by a child. Kentucky State Police Detective Scott Caudill is investigating and testified before the grand jury last week. Whitesburg police arrested him in downtown Whitesburg on Sunday. Letcher County Sheriff Mickey Steins said the incidents were originally reported to the school resource officer last fall, and the information was turned over to the state police. People familiar with the incident say Bailey was confronted by police after a bus run in late October or early November of 2023. WRIL Radio in Pineville reported that Bailey was considered a risk to himself and was taken in for a mental assessment before being released. However, there is no arrest on record prior to the indictment return on February 8th. Superintendent Denise Yance declined to comment on details of the case, except to confirm that this was Bailey's second year in the district, and he resigned his job as a result of the investigation. Others inside the district say he was suspended immediately when the situation became known, and he resigned quickly. A personnel report from Yance to the Letcher County Board of Education for its November meeting shows Bailey submitted his resignation on November 2nd. Bailey taught in Cumberland prior to taking the job in Weisberg. It was not clear why he moved to the job here. Bailey lived in Benham, which adjoins Cumberland, but he had not been staying at the address given in the indictment for a while, family members said. The indictment alleges the crimes were committed from about October through November of 2023. The rape charge says that Bailey engaged in sexual intercourse with a child, identified only by her initials, while she was less than 16 years old. Third degree rape can also be brought against persons who coerce sex from persons by means of a position of authority, or a position of special trust. Under the law, a position of authority includes, but is not limited to, a biological parent, adoptive parent, step-parent, foster parent, relative, household member, adult youth leader, recreational staff, or volunteer who is an adult, adult athletic manager, adult coach, teacher, classified school employee, certified school employee, counselor, staff, or volunteer for either a residential treatment facility or a detention facility. A position of special trust means a position occupied by a person in a position of authority who, by reason of that position, is able to exercise undue influence over the minor. Bailey is being held in the Letcher County Jail in lieu of a $250,000 cash bond. If he posts bail, he would remain on home incarceration with no access to the Internet, would not be allowed to possess a cell phone or computer, and would be restricted from contact with minors. Bailey was one of 11 people named in indictments returned by the grand jury on February 8th. The others are Clayton Collins, 25, 228 Midland Drive, Ison, is charged in four indictments. The charges are three counts of being a convicted felon in possession of a handgun, being a felon in possession of a firearm, no or expired registration plates, driving with a DUI suspended license, first offense, complicity to buy, possess drug paraphernalia, criminal complicity to possession of marijuana, first-degree criminal complicity to trafficking in a controlled substance, first offense methamphetamine, being a second-degree persistent felony offender, and complicity to theft by unlawful taking or disposition and being a second-degree persistent felony offender. Officer James Norris of the Letcher County Sheriff's Department and Kentucky State Trooper Jason Bates, testified in the cases. Jerry Markham, 31, 147 Sylvester Branch Road, Emelina, is charged with no or expired registration plates, failure to register transfer of motor vehicle, no or expired registration receipt, failure of owner to maintain required insurance security, first offense, failure to or improper signal, and first-degree trafficking in a controlled substance. First offense, car fentanyl or fentanyl. Officer James Norris of the Letcher County Sheriff's Department testified in the case. Julian Smith is charged with complicity to theft by unlawful taking or disposition. Kentucky State Trooper Jason Bates testified in the case. Archie Isaac, 53, 25 Little Davis Lane, Jenkins, is charged with failure to comply with sex offender registration, first offense. Kentucky State Trooper Jarrett Fields testified in the case. Clarence Brown, 39, 59, number two, bottom, Jenkins, is charged with first-degree bail jumping and being a first-degree persistent felony offender. Sandra Wright of the Letcher County Clerk's Office testified in the case. Sasha Hoover, 35, 60 Louise Drive, Whitesburg, is charged with complicity to buy or possess drug paraphernalia, criminal complicity to possession of marijuana, and first-degree criminal complicity to trafficking in a controlled substance, first offense, methamphetamine. Officer James Norris of the Letcher County Sheriff's Department testified in the case. Cadelia D. Damron, 32, 275 Cabin Fort Jenkins, is charged with first-degree possession of a controlled substance, first offense, methamphetamine. Officer James Norris of the Letcher County Sheriff's Department testified in the case. Kevin Johnson, 46, 165, Number 4 Hill, Jenkins, is charged with making false statements, misrepresentation, to receive benefits more than $100. Flo Brown, OIG, testified in the case. Marsha Johnson, 44, 165, Number 4 Hill, Jenkins, is charged with making false statements, misrepresentation, to receive benefits more than $100. Flo Brown, OIG, testified in the case. And Marsha Day, 42, 5436 Highway South, ISOM, is charged with first-degree bail jumping. Sandra Wright of the Letcher County Clerk's Office testified. The next headline is: LCC girls will host Owlsley in Big Fourteenth Regional Battle. The Letcher County Central Lady Cougars, sixteen and seven, won three straight games last week and remain perfect in Fourteenth Region play, eight and zero, and in the Fifty Third District, six and zero. Coach Keith Baker's LCC team opened last week's play with a sixty-one to fifty-four win at Hazard on February 5th, followed by a 54-42 win at Eastside High School in Coburn, Virginia, on February 6th, and a 75-43 win over homestanding Jenkins, February 9th. On Thursday night, LCC will host the Owsley County Lady Owls in what will easily be the most important regular season game in the 14th region. Owsley County, 19 and 6 has a 13-1 record in regional play, and are also undefeated in the 56th region. The Lady Owls' only loss in the region came in an overtime game at Perry Central back on December 19th. In their win over Hazard last week, the Lady Cougars were led in scoring by Kira Couch, who had 21 points. Kara Holcomb scored 18 points, and Jalen Whit had 12. Also scoring for LCC were Allie Bailey and Paige Dameron, who had four points each, and Scarlett Stamper, who had two points. Four LCC players scored in double figures in the win at Eastside. Kira Couch and Allie Bailey led the way with 12 points each, followed by 11 points from Paige Dameron and 10 points from Jalen Whit. Kara Holcomb scored nine points. Statistics for the LCC versus Jenkins game were not available at press time. And the next story is LCC boys claim second win, but Cavs had their chances. Letcher County Central improved to 11 and 10 on the season, but even more importantly 5 and 2 in the district, with a 64 to 50 win at rival Jenkins last Friday night. LCC trailed early, But timely three-point shots gave the Cougars the lead at halftime, and they outlasted a couple of Jenkins runs in the second half for the victory. Jason McCool led LCC in scoring with 15 points and was followed by Gavin Hamilton and Cooper Bailey, who each had 10 points. Terry Delaney added nine points, and Cameron Hayes scored six points for the Cougars. Senior guard Todd Higgins-Chris once again led the team in rebounds with nine, followed by Delaney, who pulled down eight boards. A hard-fought district matchup, said LCC coach Matthew Taylor. I was glad to be able to coach in it. Growing up here, I remember those rivalry games well. Fun to be part of it. Proud of our guys for the way they handled it. Jenkins had its moments against Letcher Central, especially early in the game. There was a big crowd at the game, and the Cavs fed off the energy to take a quick lead. Braden Sexton again had a stellar game with 20 points. Aiden Hayes had 17 points, and Matt Morris added 6 points for Jenkins. Obviously not satisfied with the outcome Friday night, but in finding some momentum for the rest of the season, I'm proud of our effort in meeting the challenge of the physicality that we've struggled in during this year, Cavaliers coach Winston Lee said. We still have some things we need to continue to piece together offensively to get over the hump. The atmosphere in our gym was a testament to both programs. It's fun to play in an intercounty game that feels like a rivalry game. Amazing to see those stands full of fans from our community. We'll keep closing the gap. Jenkins fell to 15-13 and 13 on the season after an 80-49 loss at Knott County Central and then the home loss to Letcher Central. Braden Sexton led the Cavs in scoring against Knott with 15 points, followed by Aiden Hayes with 7 points, Chase McNeely with 6 points, and 4 points each from Gavin Gibson, Matt Morris, Cam Eldridge, and Nate Webb. Jenkins has three games left on its regular season schedule. The Cavaliers will host Buckhorn on February 16th before going on the road to Jackson City, February 19th, and Abington Christian on February 23rd. Letcher Central will play at home for its final three regular season games. Mountain Mission of Grundy, Virginia, visits February 16th, followed by Buckhorn, February 17th, and Prestonsburg, February 20th. The next story is state lawmakers seeking freeze on property taxes for people 65 and over. Kentucky lawmakers this week advanced a proposed constitutional amendment meant to protect older homeowners from having to pay higher property taxes. The measure cleared the Senate on a 32-2 to two vote Monday and goes to the House. If it wins approval in both chambers, the measure would be placed on this year's general election ballot for voters to decide the issue. Lawmakers will decide in the coming weeks which constitutional changes, if any, to put on the statewide November ballot. Several other proposed constitutional amendments are being considered. The property tax-related proposal will apply to Kentuckians age 65 and older who own their home and reside there it would freeze the valuation of their home for tax purposes once they reach 65. One lawmaker said he's been contacted by older people pleading for property tax relief. Its supporters said the proposed constitutional protection is meant to shield older Kentuckians from being hit with property tax increases. They've already felt the sting from the post-pandemic surge in inflation, supporters said. The measure drew criticism, even among some supporters, for lacking a means test which would result in wealthy older Kentuckians benefiting from the property tax freeze as well as those in actual need. The proposal's supporters stressed that the intent is to help older Kentuckians on fixed incomes who are struggling to pay their property taxes. The purpose of this amendment is clearly to provide relief to those who can least afford a property tax increase said Republican Senator Philip Wheeler. Republican Senator Jimmy Higdon said he supported the proposed constitutional change on behalf of all the older Kentuckians who have called me begging for relief from the property taxes. Some senators cautioned that even a limited property tax freeze would have an impact on local governments and school districts that rely on property tax revenues. The legislation is Senate Bill 23. The next headline is, Sweeping Bill Would Expand Child Care Early Ed in Kentucky. Republican Kentucky Senator Danny Carroll unveiled sweeping legislation on Tuesday that's meant to shore up and expand the network of child care centers across the Bluegrass State. Another objective is to bolster early childhood education, he said. One long-term goal, he said, is to someday make terms like child care and daycare obsolete, replaced by early childhood education, no matter the setting or age of the child. Carroll is proposing that the state pump $150 million per year into his bill's child care initiatives in the next two-year budget cycle, which begins July 1st. The Republican-dominated legislature will put its finishing touches on the next state spending plan sometime next month. This is a time that Kentucky needs to step up and be a shining example for the rest of the country, and we will reap the benefits of that if we make that decision, Carroll said at a news conference. The bill comes amid uncertain times for child care providers and parents. The $24 billion of pandemic aid that Congress passed in 2021 for child care businesses is drying up. Republican state lawmakers across the country have responded by embracing plans to support child care. Still, the largest investments in child care have come from Democratic lawmakers. In New Mexico, the state is covering child care for most children under five using a trust funded by oil and natural gas production. In Vermont, Democratic lawmakers overrode the GOP governor's veto to pass a payroll tax hike to fund child care subsidies. In Kentucky, Carroll said his measure, along with his funding request, would go a long way toward averting the impending crisis we are about to face if we don't act with purpose and certainty. His measure, dubbed the Horizons Act, would include state support for childcare centers and families struggling to afford childcare. It would create funds meant to help increase the availability of early childhood education services and to foster innovations in early childhood education. As part of the initiative, the state community and technical college system would offer an associate degree in early childhood education entrepreneurship with the goal that graduates would be prepared to operate child care centers. Carroll's bill drew broad-based praise from advocates for business and children. A strong child care network would raise Kentucky's low workforce participation rate and would further improve the state's competitiveness in attracting new business, the supporters said. And this concludes the reading of The Mountain Eagle. Your reader has been Bill Van Arstel. Now please stay tuned for continued programming. On behalf of everyone here at Radio I, thank you for listening, and have a good day.